sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's breathing again, in, out, in, out. There was something I saw with that. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have gotten annoyed with Mike just for his breathing. Like, just because I was in a bad mood that day. Would or you something, stop breathing, right? please? It's like, just in, out, my in, out. Oh my gosh, it doesn't stop. But when you get into therapy and you start talking about where these come from, what's the underlying dialogue going on here? Or what's the underlying thinking? For example, if we were to turn the tables, I would sit you down and I would Mm -hmm. say, Courtney, why do you think it is that you hate when husbands breathe? Time to cope on the couch yet again, episode 44. My name is Brian Mulhern. I am a longtime mental health therapy patient, and my good friend Courtney Kelly just so happens to be a longtime professional mental health therapist. And that's what we do here. We try to break down the walls, the stigmas when it comes to depression and people who may want to avoid therapy. And earlier this week, Courtney, on our radio show, we have a thing called Wellness Wednesdays, Mm -hmm. and you can check that page out at catcountry.com. We had a conversation about CBT, mm-hmm. that's T, not D, don't yes, get excited. Exactly. People are like, what? Who? Cognitive <laughs> Behavioral Therapy. And I said, what in the H-E double hockey sticks is that? And you said, well, Brian, based on what I have heard about your therapy experience, everything that you did <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> while you were doing it. And I said, oh, well, isn't that enlightening? Isn't that nice? And you kind of took me down a nostalgic journey of everything that was wrong with me. And there was quite a bit, <laughs> incidentally. And one of the things that struck me, and we've only touched on this very briefly on the podcast in the past, and I thought we'd do a deeper dive on it. I'm calling this Mountains and Mole Hills, mm-hmm. and I think that that is my biggest problem. And I'm wondering if you see this disparity often. It is the thing that drives my loved ones the most crazy as it relates to my personality, mm-hmm. where something very small will drive me insane. That person who feels like they need to push their political view on me in conversation and I'm Mm -hmm. just like, why are you such an arrogant jackass? Why do you think that I want to talk to you about this? It's preventable. I think Mm -hmm. that's what it is. If somebody cuts me off in traffic, it's Mm -hmm. these things where people aren't being considerate. That will just send me over the moon. If you give me a major crisis, the pandemic, for example, Mm -hmm. my wife is having the most difficult time of basically anyone I know getting through this. The boy is having a similar problem. I'm acting as if it's just another day here on Easy Street. It's not bothering me whatsoever. When my mom ultimately passed from COVID and there was a discussion, we could only have one person from the family there, everybody was like, well, it's got to be Brian because Mm -hmm. when it comes to stuff like this, it's almost as if I don't have a soul. I'm really good in a big time crisis. I don't make a big deal about it. But if you give me something small, you don't want to be around me for like a week and a half. It's that bad. Mm -hmm. Is this a common thing? Thing and what drives something like this, Courtney? Well, I don't know, Brian, actually. <laughs> I was there trying to do some research you, on Brian. That. I'm stumped. <laughs> and I said, I think you hit upon some of it, is that some of the stuff that you would classify as preventable, because you're looking at it from your perspective, like, okay, people don't need to do A, B, C, and D. Now, they may not look at it as preventable to them. They're looking at it like, this is just how I roll. I want to have this conversation with you. This is part of my personality, that kind of thing. When you perceive that it's something that can be controlled or something that they can control and not do, I think that gets you really amped up. It's the 
bigger stuff that if you feel like you have no control over, like, okay, well, there's nothing else we can do here except figure out our best move. You seem to be a lot calmer. And I do have clients where that will amaze me. There are certain things that will spin them out. According to my head, I'll be saying, that's not that huge of a thing. It's kind of like we talk about having reactions and it's an uneven reaction. We say to what is happening here, look at where you're reacting. You're up at a 10 where the actual incident might be like a two, where you are saying that when there's an incident that's a 10, you're reacting lower. You're Mm -hmm. not up there with it. And I do have some people that I'm amazed all that they've gone through and they talk about it in just such a casual way. But yet, like you said, getting cut off in traffic or something small will absolutely send them through the roof. The phrase, don't sweat the small stuff, Mm -hmm. I believe was invented for yours truly because I do sweat the small stuff. One of the things that I wonder if it is in play here, I often bring up Seinfeld, and I can even say the same for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. It is those small things that drive Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David, people like that crazy. They will do entire episodes about she eats her peas one at a time. Like they just can't <laughs> let that go. Right, right. And it serves as the motor that drives their observational humor. Of course. Yeah. So that's how they use that stuff. And it's all very relatable. And I think that that outrage over these small things mm-hmm. kind of serves people like me. And I wonder if that is in play. Right. It does serve you. It serves a lot of people, though. And that's the thing. It may actually irk you even more. And that's why we get the humor out of it. But we can all relate to it, which is sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, he's breathing again, in, out, in, out. There was something I saw with that. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have gotten annoyed with Mike just for his breathing. Like, just because I was in a bad mood that day. Would you stop breathing, please? In, out, in, out. Oh my gosh, it doesn't stop. And it's so funny to think about that. But I think we all get irritated and definitely at different levels and stuff like that. But we can all relate to that irritation that seems so irrational. Like, why are we getting so mad about that? But yet we can all relate on that level. However, in therapy, when this becomes an issue for people or it's driven by anxiety, depression, that kind of thing, this is something that we do try to take apart and we try to look at and say, hey, is this rational that you would have such a reaction to certain things? And especially certain things that you can't control. We have to reframe. Like, we can't control what other people do, even though people will come into therapy and be like, make them stop this. And I'll say, what would make you happy? If they would just stop doing what they're doing. (laughs) You know what I mean? And make them do it. And I go, listen, your fanny is the one that's sitting in front of me in the chair. So you're the one we have to help change, change your perspective on how you're looking at things. But oftentimes we do. We look outside of ourselves and just say, if they would just change, then I would be happy. On the flip side, I talk about those little things that drive me crazy and what also drives my observational humor. When it comes to a big picture thing, about six years ago, I had a stroke and they didn't know what had caused it. There was a blood clot in my brain. And at the time, there was a possibility that I had brain cancer. Mm. And there were several people who thought this is going to send Mulhern completely and totally over the edge. And I was just oddly calm. And I think it really does have to do with the fact where I'm like, there's really nothing that I can do about this. Mm -hmm. If I feel like I can just give somebody a smack and say, hey, what is wrong with you (laughs) in terms of being inconsiderate in a certain area, that's a very solvable problem. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to something like that, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I just have to be along.
along for the ride. I have used the analogy before mm-hmm. about life. This was my takeaway from therapy, and somebody in your position is going to hate this, and I know you've heard it before. <laughs> You're already bracing me for I it. say that, let's just say, life is essentially a stream of raw sewage, and you have a couple of choices here. You can just lay back and, I don't want to say enjoy the ride, because <laughs> nobody really enjoys it, especially when things aren't going well in life, or you can try to turn around and swim against that tide, right, right. and you're not going to make any progress. You're just going to exhaust yourself. You might get a mouthful of it every <laughs> once in a while. You're just better off just saying, I'm going to go with this and see where it takes me. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I do think it's a rather disgusting analogy for what life is at times. I may not totally agree with you on that, but what you are saying, an essence of what you're saying is having radical acceptance. We don't love what happens to us all the time. Sometimes we just can't change it and we don't have control over certain things. Not to say that we should just not try to change things, but if we can change it from a perspective of taking radical acceptance, accepting exactly what is happening in the here and now, and then going from there rather than trying to fight it. And what you're talking about is kind of dealing with that resistance. We all have that resistance. We want to fight. We want to be like, oh my gosh, why is it like this? But we have to realize the things that we can change and the things that we can't. Just like that famous line, it's like we have to know the difference between the two. Where therapy comes in, where we help people to kind of sort through that and say, is it realistic that you would get angry at someone for something that you cannot control them doing? Now, you can control a lot of things about yourself, about how you're going to react to people. You had said that example about somebody annoying you talking about politics. You can be proactive and think about how you're going to handle that, how you're going to calm yourself. Maybe there's some imagery. I don't even want to ask you what that imagery would be. But <laughs> maybe that I know exactly. I'm good. You keep it. But uh, (laughs) thinking about how you're going to react to this and how you're going to control yourself and also how you're going to educate the person in the best way that doesn't jack your anxiety up. These are things that you have control over, but you don't have control over necessarily the fact that they're going to try to approach you. So this is what we do is try to break this down in therapy to challenge some of the irrational thoughts and feelings that we have. And the thing is, Brian, we talk a lot about changing our thoughts so we can change our feelings and change our actions. But really, a lot of times we have to change our core beliefs. It's our beliefs that those thoughts come from. You have a belief that people should not do this and you call it wrong in your head. And so when they do it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is going against my core belief. So we have to actually change that belief if we want to change the reaction and the thoughts we have around it. Well, as with all things, I think there are not always black and whites. Mm -hmm. The lines can become blurred. And I mentioned how the pandemic, I've been remarkably calm about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, we have to wait this out and wait for the herd immunity and everybody to get the vaccine. Oh, bummer. I have to stay home and I can't go out and I can't go out with people that I don't want to go out with anyway. And (laughs) that's part of the problem. I'm home. I'm like, well, I'm not seeing all of the annoying things that everybody else is doing. So you're like, it's cool. Just bring some more of this. But where the line gets blurred is when I do venture out somebody with the mask on the chin and the mask under the nose. Mm -hmm. And that's not just a core belief to me. That's, hey, you're an idiot and you are prolonging this. And incidentally, you might have killed my mom. You might have been Mm -hmm. the person who did that. So that's where the pandemic can send me over the edge. And on the rare occasions, based on the physique that I do go to the gym, when I see somebody who's in there, and usually it is numerous people, and they do, they have the mask down on the chin or under the nose, whatever. I'm like, what are you doing? First of all, it's been proven, the numbers bear it out, that one of the areas where things spread on a super level is in the gym. Mm -hmm. So you really have to take every single precaution when you do this. Mm -hmm. These are the things that drive me the most crazy 
crazy. And when you say it's a core belief, to me, that tells me this was something that was established in me during my childhood. Mm -hmm. This is something that goes back decades and decades and decades. And that proves to a lot of people the challenge of trying to fix yourself. And as I say, rewire your brain Mm -hmm. and undo things that have been done. And why a lot of times you kind of can't do it by yourself. And sometimes it's difficult. You really do need some professional help. And the thing is, too, when you get into therapy and you start talking about where these come from, and I'll ask people, you might be saying one thing, but what's the underlying dialogue going on here? Or what's the underlying thinking? And they'll get right to it. And then they'll realize this could be something that shaped them. Like you said, from childhood, a lot of times we have these core beliefs about protection. Like if something happened or we went through trauma when we were smaller, we feel like the world is unsafe. Now, there's definitely parts of the world that's unsafe. But since we're older now and we're not kids, we can take care of ourselves better. So a lot of times our body and our mind will try to protect us. And we have these core beliefs about everything being unsafe. But if we can try to work on that and say, well, there's a lot of things I can protect myself with. There's a lot of things I can't, but there's many things I can. And to try to shift and change that. But there is no growth if we never change our beliefs, if we never change our ideas, if we never change anything, we're not going to change how we feel. It can be scary kind of exploring some of this stuff or letting some of this stuff go. But like you said, good point. This is why it can be ideally better done when you have someone else helping to support you in that. For example, if we were to turn the tables, I would sit you down and I would Mm -hmm. say, Courtney, why do you think it is that you hate when husbands breathe? (laughs) (laughs) I mostly like it when they breathe. Uh, (laughs) But but not always. (laughs) But then I would recognize it in myself and get curious and be like, wow, I wonder what's going on with me today that I'm just feeling so annoyed by his breathing. And then I'll say, okay, because you're not feeling well about such and such. Or maybe you had a conversation with somebody and it upset you. And really kind of go there. And that's the difference between just reacting out of the feeling and really sitting with it and saying, okay, what's going on here? And getting curious about it. And then you can separate it out and just see that you're just having natural reactions to things that we have in life, but we don't need to have to act out on it or get ourselves in distress. So taking that moment to really understand where it's all coming from. Because a lot of times we just live automatically and it's just like, oh my God, you're making me mad. We blow up at the wrong people. We get upset about the wrong things when it's really something else that's driving it. And here's an interesting component when you say sometimes when you're sort of doing some self care and saying, mm-hmm. well, why am I feeling this way? Yeah. Most people would think to themselves, well, she's a professional therapist, mm-hmm. so therefore she has the ability to do that, but that will never be me. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you from my own experience, yep. having been through therapy as I have, once you learn the tools and once you learn the tricks, mm-hmm. every time that I have a problem, I don't have to go running into the therapist's right, office. Right. I can sit there and I can say, well, I don't have a college degree in this, but I do have my training. And the the training that I have had, what would that training tell me mm-hmm. and how can I perhaps address this situation so it's not driving me as crazy? Right, exactly. And once you have the tools and you don't need therapy to get the tools, there's so many great apps out there now. I just had a client that started with me and I said, okay, Google unhealthy thinking habits. That's going to be <laughs> your homework assignment because I don't have the paperwork. I'm going to have to send out paperwork and stuff like that. So and I if said, you Google, Google it, hey, there's Mulhern. <laughs> <laughs> He's got all 12 of them. <laughs> just kidding. Right. I wish it was over 12. <laughs> I said, Google them, read through it, see which ones resonate with you that you struggle with the most. And what I want you to do for this week is I just want you to be aware of when certain thoughts come up and I want you to label them. And that's one way that we can separate it out and say, okay, this isn't the essence of who I am. This is my brain trying to protect me or trying to tell me a story or just a habit that we're doing over and over again that's jacked.
backing up my anxiety. So just being aware of that. And then some people will look at it on the list of like 12 and they'll say, oh, I got a little of this, a little of that. Some people be like, yep, all 12. <laughs> check, check and check. Here's me playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Whenever I have something physically wrong with me, my doctor will tell me, don't Google it because you're going to see things <laughs> on there that aren't right. being regulated. You might get some inaccurate information. And especially right. for people like hypochondriacs, that can actually do more damage. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to Googling things from a mental health perspective, do we have to worry about that too? Well, sometimes we do because I think certain personality types too will start to go down that rabbit hole. Oh, it said this and what does this mean? And oh my you start gosh. Self-diagnosing. You start to, yes. And you start to get really nervous and more distressed. I would stick to the websites. We put them up catcountry.com on the Wellness Wednesday page. SAMHSA and there's NAMI and there's different mental health websites that can help you that will give you some definitions of things. And maybe you'll say, oh, wow, that does sound like me. And these are some things that can help with that. It's helpful to do that, but it's also helpful to have somebody go through the journey with you and have some counseling around this because you can start to catastrophize and get really upset about your situation if you're just Googling everything. Let me play devil's advocate again. Mm -hmm. In the past, I've talked to you how when I was in therapy, the prospect of going on medication came up and I was resistant at first because I said, I use my brain a lot at work and I use it to be creative and I use it to hopefully be funny. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I'm going to change the chemicals there Mm -hmm. and if I'm going to numb it to any degree, it may hurt my livelihood. So I ask you the same question. When I make that molehill into a mountain, Mm -hmm. I can tell you because of the observational humor component, I don't want to completely and totally shut something like that down because ultimately it won't put food on my table Mm -hmm. if I do. What do you say to somebody like that? Where is the line with something like that? I was going to say, and then when we're doing the morning show and you just look at me blankly, because I'll be like, oh my gosh, I got to come up with something funny now? (laughs) Oh, the pressure. No, what I validate with clients a lot, I have clients who are on medication that's very helpful. I have clients who have gone on medication for a short amount of time because they've been under tremendous stressors and they needed that additional help. And then once those stressors cleared and we were able to work on more coping, they didn't have to be on the medication. I've seen every combination of this. I've seen people go through stress and they need maybe something for sleep. The issue becomes for some people, they just don't want to be on medication for those reasons that you mentioned. I've had people who were suffering with bipolar who would sometimes go on and off of their medication because they felt like they couldn't be as creative and they couldn't Mm -hmm. get certain things done. So I totally get that. What I do want to encourage people, it's very individual, but work with a provider that you trust and just talk about your concerns. And the thing is, I've had people that they try one medication and it works great and they've been doing awesome on it. Other people, they have to try a few to see what kind of works for them. Sometimes they have to have adjustments after six months. But just work with your provider and talk to them about the issues that you're having. But I do recommend it for people having chronic depression and anxiety, just can't seem to get a handle on things. Sometimes just having that medication for a short amount of time can really help. Have you ever been working with a client where suddenly you just blurted out, will you stop breathing, please? (laughs) Never, never, never. That's just reserved for my, you know. That's just reserved for the people that I love the most. And maybe, Brian, it might happen with you sometime. Is that you breathing heavy over there, Brian? Well, before I get shut down on that front, because I rather enjoy breathing, what I will do is I will say, Courtney, if people want to get in touch with you, if they have any yes. questions, how can they do so? You can always email me, wellness at wctk.com. If you have any questions about CBT or finding some apps to look at for that, to get some help around it, very, very helpful. Also, we have resources on our website, catcountry.com, the Wellness Wednesday page. Okay, that's as long as I can hold it. <laughs>
I'm never going to live this down, am I, Brian? I was disclosing something I love personal. It when you inadvertently give me material. Oh, boy. <laughs> You'll see me recycle on this joke over yeah, like the exactly. next 10 to 15 Gordon, podcasts. Gordon, can I breathe now? Because I'm not that talented. <laughs> At Cat Country Mornings on socials, we also have individual pages Brian Mulhern, Courtney Kelly, and Courtney Kelly Bedard. You can find this lovely podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Libsyn. Tell people about it. Spread the word. If you have any ideas, you can send those mm-hmm. along to us as well. And hey, you don't have to hold your breath in relation to the next episode because <laughs> number 45 will be Woo-hoo! coming next week. We'll be coping on the couch with you then. In the meantime, thank you for joining us now. Thank you so much. I